0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Hey, inclined listeners. Looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to The Incline, your Dodgers podcast for Dodgers talk, rumors, updates, and everything Dodgers. I'm Kevin Klein. I'm David Rosenthal. I'm Ian Nielsen. We're your host, and this podcast is powered by Dodgers Lowdown. And without further ado, it's let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium.
0: Take it away, Finn. It's
1: time for Dodger Baseball. What is up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to the Incline. I'm joined by Ian Nielsen today as we continue our 2013. Dodgers revisit series this is part three today we're going to take you through the start of June all the way up until the all-star break let me introduce Ian of course
2: what's up man how's it going
1: not too bad hopefully we get closer to baseball but in the meantime we're just going to entertain ourselves doing this little thing
2: yeah, no, I mean, MLB action, real action can't come fast enough. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sick of watching old Diamondbacks games from last season against the Marlins.
1: Right, I feel you. So to refresh all the listeners out there, I took you guys up through June 2nd. The Dodgers had just lost a series to the Colorado Rockies. They're 23-32 and 32 on the season, and they had enough. They had to call up a certain young prospect, from AAA, a Cuban outfielder. His name is Yasiel Puig. And Ian, I'll ask you this. Before Puig was called up, what were kind of what were your thoughts of what Puig might become?
2: Yeah, he was the first Dodger prospect at least in my life that I gen- genuinely could not wait to see. I mean, I'm sure you guys remember. I mean, I've, in between Puig and Juan Guzman, there was not like any hype around any Dodgers prospects ever it seemed like. Like, real, like, this guy's going to change the league hype. So, I remember when Puig defected out of Cuba and they signed him. And, um, I mean, I was thrilled. I remember creating him an MLB, like, 2K13. Like, that, Like I'm talking long ago when I was playing on the Wii. Like, trying to recreate Puig. And it, Seriously, I, I was so excited for when this guy finally came up. And <laughs> uh, I, he did not disappoint. I, whatever issues he may have had later on with the Dodgers and tumultuous you know time there he he certainly did not disappoint um when he first came up puig mania is one of the most i, I mean i seriously i put it above mannywood it, it's it's one of those iconic things that dodger fans at least younger dodger fans can remember
1: you're totally right yeah what i remember about puig before the call up we kind of knew this guy was going to have a lot of talent and we expected 2013 to be his debut and when that time came Expected him to be some type of spark plug, obviously not what would go down. That definitely exceeded my expectations. But I felt like his ceiling, he could be a five tool player. We knew he had a strong arm, knew he could hit, he had speed and power. So, yeah, there was definitely a lot of hype when Yasio Puig got the call up. So, why don't we get started on June 3rd, 2013. Yasio Puig makes his major league debut. Against the San Diego Padres, and Don Magley actually batted yasio Puig lead off that game, and you want to know what he does, Ian, he gets a lead off single in his first at bat
2: yeah, um I think I remember him hitting lead off that that was I mean that was even a shocker I mean usually guys come up, you hit him like seventh or eighth. this dude was just i mean he was ready like i don't, there was no point in keeping him in the minor leagues he he clearly i mean I remember watching this game
1: he was ready he was yep. ready absolutely. Adrian Gonzalez hits his eighth home run of the season. Scott Van Slyke hits his fifth home run of the season. Both solo shots. Brandon League closes the game out. Dodgers do their thing. They win this game two to one. And Yasiel Puig is two for four in his major league debut.
2: And in that MLB debut, I remember his iconic moment wasn't anything with the bat. It was, I mean, he uh, didn't he double up a guy at first,
1: I think, to end the game from right field. Yes, and yeah, that. Come- in the, the ninth inning he gets a long fly out in right field and he throws out the runner at first
2: i remember that night i watched the game with my parents i said this te- they're going to the playoffs i don't care that they're 30 23 and 32 right now they're going to they're <laughs> going to fix they're going to find it out they're going to end up in the playoffs this this is too too exciting of a show not to
1: definitely so the dodgers had to place their catcher aj ellis on the disabled list with a sprained oblique so their catchers Ramon Hernandez, and Tim (laughs) Fedorovich.
2: Was it Ramon Hernandez, the guy, who was the one that was biting people's, oh, no, that was Miguel Olivo.
1: Yeah, correct. I think he, he actually made a brief stint earlier this season. I believe I talked about him. Right, yeah. And then even better news for the Dodgers, they get Hanley Ramirez back from the DL. June 4th, Ted Lilly taking on Clayton Richard, Padres strike first on a Denorfius solo home run to lead off the game, but in the bottom of the first, Yasiel Puig, there he is with a leadoff double. However, the Dodgers are not able to score him. Top of the second, Kyle Blanks. I remember we talked about him, yeah. video game monster. Video game two, monster. Yeah. Two run shot puts the Padres up three nothing. Bottom of the second, though, FedEx as they used to call him, Fedorovich with a two run home run. Makes it 3-2 Padres. Padres end up tacking on a couple more runs, so I'll take you to the bottom of the fifth. It's 5-2 Padres. Clayton Richards still on the mound. Two on for Yasiel Puig at the plate. Here's the pitch. Fly ball to left
0: center field. This is unbelievable. Who's writing this script for this kid? A three-run home run. He's tied the score at five. His first big
2: league home run. His first three runs batted in, and he has tied the score.
0: And his first curtain call.
1: His first home run in his career, second game in the majors, seventh career at bat, 5-5. Hanley Ramirez is able to add one in that inning. Dodgers are now up 6-5. to Top of the sixth, though, Ronald Belisario, of course, lets the Padres tie the game, 6-6. And then how about your boy? jp howell he gets a double play with the bases loaded to end the inning
2: most underrated dodger of all time I'm just gonna put that out there again i'm gonna beat it into your heads until you believe it
1: absolutely right bottom six the tie it's the dodgers actually were able to score a run but the most exciting play is Yasiel Puig hits another home run a two-run shot now the dodgers are ahead nine to six That's going to be the final score. J.P. Howell gets the win. Brandon League, 13th save of the year. So how about Yasiel Puig, two home runs in only his second game?
2: Yeah. Yasiel Puig, Brandon League getting 13 saves, Puig in league. Man, I don't know. Everyone hates on that guy. He was kind of good. I don't care what you said. I don't care what you got to say. He was kind of good.
1: Yeah, back then, we're just going to keep it going. June 5th. Jason Marquis versus Clayton Kershaw. The only significance of this game is I wanted to point out, top of the second, Yasmani Grendahl, when he was a Padre, got an RBI single, 1-0. Top of the fourth, Jed Jerko, another brief Dodger. He got a home <laughs> run off Kershaw. 2 nothing. Padres. Dodgers are going to lose this game 6-2, but just kind of funny to see some future Dodgers getting some RBIs off Kershaw. So Dodgers win that series, two games to one. They're 25-33, and 33, and it's kind of interesting to note, at this point in the season, we're talking in early June, the Padres actually had more wins, 27 wins. What a time when the Padres were ahead of the Dodgers in the standings.
0: Oh, my
2: God. That feels like ages ago, but <laughs> there was a time. What, what seems even more peculiar is Adrian Gonzalez was a Dodger, and yet the Padres had a better record than the Dodgers at this point. We're
1: now taking on the Atlanta Braves.
2: Ooh, it's- yeah. I remember this series.
1: We're in LA. It's June 6. Zach Greinke versus Tim Hudson. Greinke does his job. He throws seven shutout innings. But in the bottom of the eighth, it's only one nothing. Dodgers. Yasiel Puig.
0: going a fly ball to right field. No, you're kidding. You're kidding. It's a grand slam. This doesn't happen even in Hollywood. But it did.
1: This is like peak Charlie Steiner. Yasiel Puig hits a grand slam, closes the door. Dodgers win this game 5-0. I mean, how crazy is it, this young rookie making noise like that so early on in his career?
2: Yeah, I thought we'd had the next – I swear, it's like I felt like we had the next Barry Bonds on our team or something. It was crazy. Yeah. I didn't know what – I mean, I I, I was in shock. It was so much fun.
1: Yeah. Next day – June 7th, Ryu versus Paul Mahalam. There's tons of brief Dodgers up and down this
2: list. Paul Mahalem, I remember all these dudes, yeah. I'll
1: take it to the bottom of the sixth. Yasiel Puig hits his fourth home run already of the season in his career. Ryu goes a strong seven and two-thirds innings. This game actually does go to extra innings. Bottom of the tenth, first and third. Juan Uribe at the plate. A wild pitch allows Skip Schumacher to score. Dodgers walk it off two to one. Dodgers are now four and one with Yasiel Puig in the lineup. And Puig already has 10 RBIs, which is tied for the most in a career over your first five games. And he's the second player ever with four home runs in his first five games. So the Puig magic is already on. The next two games are basically all Atlanta Braves. You get a lot of Dan Ugla action. He hits three home runs over these two games and so the Dodgers lose both those. This was a four-game series so they split the they split the four. Dodgers are now 27 and 35. And you could also take notes because this is not the last time the Dodgers will see the Braves. It is during the regular season where the Braves do win the series 5 games to 2. June 10th. Bottom of the 4th, Dodgers are now facing the Arizona Diamondbacks. Gerardo Parra Throws out Puig in a 1-1 game. And the only reason I bring this up is because Dodger fans hate Para. And this is probably a play that caused it. Mark Ellis hits his third home run of the season. Dodgers pull ahead 3-1. Unfortunately, in the top of the ninth, Brandon League, this is one of his meltdown games. Oh, yeah. He blows the save. Willie Bloomquist puts the Diamondbacks ahead on an infield single. They pull ahead 4-3. Goldschmidt adds an additional run. In the bottom of the ninth, Juan Uribe is able to hit a home run to lead off the bottom of the ninth. However, it's not enough. Brandon Lee gets third loss of the season. Don Mattingly decides it's time to remove Brandon Lee from the closer role. The Arizona Diamondbacks now have a five-game winning streak versus the Dodgers. How do you feel about Brandon Lee getting removed from the closer role?
2: It was deserved. But, I mean, are we going to act like he's – like they haven't had like just awful relief pitching all throughout? I mean, he was kind of like a lesser Joe Kelly in my opinion with less velocity and stuff. But Yes. I mean, the guy we replaced him with certainly – we'll get to it in a second – was well-deserving.
1: You're right. Yeah, Brandon League at this point, he had an ERA over five. Dodger fans were fed up. Mattingly certainly felt the pressure from the fans and the media. And so that is why Kenley Jansen becomes the next closer of the Dodgers. This game is very important. I think this game might have really started the feud between Dodger fans and Arizona Diamondbacks fans. To set this one up, it's Ian Kennedy versus Zach Granke on June 11th. Top of the fifth inning, Jason kubel throwback name hits a two-run home run for arizona putting them up two nothing bottom of the six ian kennedy hits yasiel puig in the face knocks him to the ground however puig is strong enough he's manly enough to take that pain he stays in the game and then andre Ethier, captain clutch the most underappreciated dodger I feel like by the media, not the fans, answers with a two-run home run, ties the game up at two. And then what I love about Zach Granke is even though he's a quiet one, he sticks up for his teammates. Top of the seventh, Granke hits Miguel Montero, their catcher in the back. This is gonna lead to a the bench is clear, the bench is clearing. So the umpires issue warnings to both sides. Bottom of the seventh, scumbag Ian Kennedy. <laughs> Hits Zach Ranky in the helmet. Walks this- off the field
2: well, before he could even get in the brawl. Too afraid, too much of a, you know, I'm not going to say the word, to fight. So he just walks off the field and into the dugout. He's a disgrace to the name Ian, <laughs> and it's sick.
1: Ranky, a good hitter, but he has grounded out and popped a bunt up. And he is hit. And I think Kennedy's thrown out of the game. Wow. Holy Mackerel. And now they're liable to get angry after that. Uribe is mixing it up a little bit. He's in the middle.
0: That's Belisario went down on one knee.
1: Yeah. I remember you talked about the Carlos Quinton incident really getting you angry. Now this one really had my blood boiling. I remember this game like it was yesterday. It was enough that Kennedy had already hit Puig in the face, so it's only fair that Granke threw at Montero's back. Now we got Kennedy throwing at our prized pitcher's head.
2: After he just came back from the DL.
1: Exactly. So I was furious, and I remember having a lot of feuding online with D-backs fans about how awful their team truly was. (laughs) So anyways, the bench is clear. Ian Kennedy gets tossed immediately. There's a brawl between our hitting coach at the time, Mark McGuire, and their manager, Kirk Gibson, funny enough. And then you have this incident where Yasiel Puig is kind of shoving Turner Ward into the stands, yeah. which is really ironic, given their relationship later on.
2: They went from enemy <laughs> kissing in the dugout. They went, from, they went from fighting in the dugout to kissing in the dugout. That's kind of a <laughs> – Unexpected one right there. Probably felt bad.
1: <laughs> it's just so good. So, oh,
2: so is the greatest. All that
1: great. all that mess finally gets cleared up. They're able to resume the game. Top of the eighth. Willie Bloomquist puts the diamondbacks ahead. 3-2 off Matt Gurrier. However, it's not gonna matter. In the bottom of the eighth, our our one-time catcher, Tim Fedorovich with the benches. Bases clearing double. Dodgers are now ahead 5-3. Kenley Jansen gets his third save after he was just named the closer. Dodgers win that game. The next game is June 12th. Nothing great really happens. D-backs are able to score four runs off Ronald Belisario and Brandon League combined. So the Diamondbacks win that game. They win the series. Dodgers fall to 28 and 37.
2: This, this uh, though I think Puig coming up was kind of the spark. I think it was this series against Arizona. It was this game where things, where it became a new season, essentially. After that game, it sparked, it's that fight sparked a fire. I remember watching it when the Dodgers were on KCAL 9, and it, it sparked a fire with the team. So this was, this was really the, the turning point in 2013, right about here.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I feel like This was the type of moment that really rallied the Dodgers to get tighter as a unit. And you'll see as the season progresses, you start to see these relationships form with Juan Uribe and Yasiel Puig and Andre Ethier. Things are less tense with him and Don Mattingly, so the the tide is definitely gonna shift. So after losing three nothing to the Pirates, take you to June 15th, second game of the series. It's Clayton Kershaw versus Brandon Compton making huh. like his debut. And I feel like I said this the first pod with you. It seems like the Pirates always have their starters making Major League debuts against the Dodgers.
2: I swear. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that,
2: well, I mean, that's because they're constantly having guys make MLB debuts. <laughs> everybody is a Pirate. And cheap.
1: That's a really good point. Yeah. Bottom of the sixth inning. Russell Martin is batting for the Pirates, and he's about to hit a three-run home run. But Skip Schumacher makes his defensive play of the year by robbing Martin of that home run. Clayton Kershaw is able to go seven innings, allows one run, eight strikeouts. Bottom of the ninth inning, the Dodgers have a 3-2 lead now. We're in Pittsburgh. Travis Snyder at the plate for the Pirates is able to hit a t- game tying home run off kenley jansen so even though the dodgers have a new closer the save is still blown it's now a 3-3 game fortunately in the top of the 11th juan Rebe is able to hit a go-ahead single and then the dodgers hold on to win this game 5-3 brandon league ironically gets the save aj ellis is able to return back from the dl and despite having a 184 ERA over his last five starts, Clayton Kershaw is winless.
2: This is why Clayton Kershaw, I give him crap. You know, i we, we all do. It's, it's natural. I love him. And the dude can literally go into this season with a 4-5 ERA. And he will deserve that World Series ring still more than anybody. Just because he carried this team. I mean, that's the story right there. I remember for years, years, the Dodgers just decided to score no runs for this guy. I mean, it's like Jacob DeGrom with the Mets, they're just, for Steve Carlton, it's like it's, you're just seeing this kind of pattern where he's carrying the team and they're just kind of bailing on him no matter what. Every start they couldn't hit, he would pitch.
1: Yeah, you're very right. This felt like the narrative in Los Angeles for years. You just expected the Dodgers offense to not show up when Clayton Kershaw was on the mound.
2: Yeah, for years. That was the thing. It was the joke.
1: Yes. The next game, final game of this series. Just wanted to mention Garrett Cole is starting for the Pirates, and he's actually a rookie at this point in time before he becomes the $300 million man, making his second career start against Zach Greinke. This is not a good game for Greinke. Bottom of the fifth inning, Pedro Alvarez hits a three-run home run. Putting the Pirates ahead, 5-2. Jason Grilley gets his 25th save of the year. So the Dodgers lose this series two games to one. They fall to 29-39. and And they're eight games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NL West. Now, here's a series I kind of forgot existed. Oh, wow. I think it's because I might have been in school or... S- well, actually, this is summer. Maybe I was on vacation or something. I'm not... <laughs> I have no explanation, but the Dodgers had a doubleheader in New York at Yankee Stadium because the game that was scheduled to take place on the 18th was rained out, so they have to play two on the 19th. So the first game, Dodgers at Yankees. This is actually the first time the Dodgers have played a game in New York since the 1981 World Series. So for that point in time, this is kind of an iconic matchup.
2: First time playing the Yankees in New York, at least, yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. And then what's even more funny about this matchup, we got Hunjin Ryu going for us, but they're taking on former Dodger Hareki Kuroda.
2: Kuroda, yeah, that dude, <laughs> he was pretty damn good. He was he was underrated. I, I always loved that dude. I wish he could have stuck around longer.
1: Yeah, and this game goes pretty well for Kuroda, actually. Bottom of the second... The slugger, Lyle Overbay, someone I did not remember even played for the Yankees, hits a two-run double, putting them up 2-0. Bottom of the six, this is kind of a cool moment. Ichiro with a home run off Ryu. The Yankees are now up 3-0. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of cool for Ryu. He can tell his kids that Ichiro, the Hall of Famer, that's going to become. Took him deep. And then the bottom of the seventh, this was just kind of a funny defensive blunder. Vernon Wells, who is well past his prime at this point, is going to pop it up in the infield. Ronald Belisario is on the mound. He's supposed to catch it. He loses it in the air, has no idea where it is. It's like underneath his leg. Then he picks up the ball, just chucks it well over Mark Ellis's head into what? center field. And I feel like, this is kind of where Bellisario just – he develops that reputation of just kind of being an idiot. Got right? it. Yankees win this game 6-4, to four, and it's worth noting Mariana Rivera gets his 25th save of the season. Then the last game, the second game of this doubleheader, it's Phil Hughes, hmm. who makes quite a name for himself now on Twitter, I guess take it on Chris Capuano Capuano throws six shutout innings this game is all Dodgers they win six nothing Yasiel Puig actually hit his fifth home run at Yankee Stadium he's off to a 474 batting average start talk about fire
2: dude I think his batting average was better than the Dodgers win percentage at this point you're that I means
1: nice. You're right. Well, the Dodgers split this doubleheader. They're now 30 and 40 on the season. We're back in California, taking on the Padres again. Jason Marquis versus Stephen Fife. Top of the first. Yasiel Puig with his sixth home run of the season. Padres are able to rally back. At one point, they tie it up. It's 2-2. Take it to the bottom of the seventh. Pedro Sariaka A name I kind of just remember floating around the NOS is someone who would randomly get some hits off Dodgers pitching. It's a go-ahead triple off Matt Greer. They pull ahead 3-2. Padres go on and win 6-3. June 21st, Clayton Richard versus Clayton Kershaw. Two pitches into the game. Richard has to leave with a shoulder injury. Unfortunately, the Dodgers don't really catch a break. Logan Forsythe scores a run in this game for the Padres. For those who forgot, he actually used to be on the Padres. Padres are going to win this game 5-2. Clayton Kershaw is now 5-5 for the season. And I noted that he's 0-3 versus San Diego. And that is a 2013 stat in the so far in this season. Clayton Kershaw is 0-3 against the Padres. Hmm which is really odd considering how much he's able to dominate them later on. And it's the lack of run support for sure. So the Padres are now 7-4 against the Dodgers in the 2013 season. Dodgers have now dropped to 30-42. I want everyone to note this. They're 12 games below 500, 9.5 out. I'm gonna go to you now, Ian. Just looking at their overall record, nine and a half out, 30 and 42. How would you feel as a fan? Would you say the season feels all but over or would you still have hope?
2: I mean, I remember how I felt as a fan and more specifically, even in recent time, I remember how I felt last, or 2018, when they were just completely blowing it and they were like 10 games back. And I mean, it's hard not to feel like the season's over, but. It also felt like this team was just too talented and it felt like Puig was too exciting. And I don't know, like it, it it was concerning, but it was the NL West. So I felt like anything was kind of possible.
1: I'm right there with you. I was, I believe a junior in college. So this is still pretty fresh on my mind. The thing that really bothered me was you kind of already hit the nail on the head. This team was way too talented to be 12 games below 500. And with nine and a half out, you certainly knew there was enough baseball that they could catch the Arizona Diamondbacks, who really were not that great of a team. No,
2: they were not, clearly.
1: So even though they were still struggling, I were, was not ready to give up just yet.
2: They were in last place. I can't believe it.
1: Yes. They, they were
2: They were dwelling in the basement with San Francisco after the, they just won a World Series, which I kind of couldn't believe.
1: Yeah, so 30 and 42, I want everyone to remember that 12 games below 500 because the Dodgers are not going to look back from this moment on. We're now going to be starting June 22nd. Zach Greinke taking on Edison Volquez of the Padres. Greinke gets his revenge, strikes out Carlos Quinton twice. Top of the six, Adrian Gonzalez hits a home run. That's the Dodgers' first hit of the game. Hanley Ramirez follows him up back-to-back. Hits his third home run of the season. Dodgers pull ahead. They win this game 6-1. June 23rd, Chris Capuano is starting for the Dodgers on three days rest. Now, Ian, why would Don Mattingly choose to have Capuano throw on three days rest i can't remember why
2: i, I don't know did, did it, this is like the opposite of the Dodgers. i'm mean, like don mattingly you can never complain about roberts because I, whatever roberts analytics and fall, puppet whatever this dude was starting guys on three days rest the dodgers now will put like i remember they'd send my aidan to double a for like a, a game so like they could get another guy to have like three extra days of rest like like they have like a 12 man like Spot rotation now, and they were pitching with like three. I remember, I seriously remember looking at the depth chart and it was like Kershaw, Ryu, and Capuano. I'm like, dude, there's like three guys in your depth chart, but Mattingly was just like, just there's a reason he's managing the Marlins. That's that's <laughs> all I can say. Like him, great player, nice guy, but my God, he had no business managing
1: this team. Seriously, despite the adversity, Capuano somehow was able to throw five shutout innings. Jeez. Still a scoreless game until the top of the seventh. Juan Uribe gets an RBI double. Dodgers are now up 1-0. Lee does not hold on for much. Hold, Lee does not hold on for very long as Carlos Quinton. It's a solo home run off Peter Moylan. Hmm. But in the top of the ninth, still 1-1. Houston Street trying to just send this game to extras or at least allow the Padres a chance to walk it off. Runs into Adrian Gonzalez and Hanley Ramirez, who take him deep back-to-back. So the Dodgers win this game 3-1. They split the series 2-2. Dodgers are now 32-42. and We're now facing the San Francisco Giants on June 24th. Madison Bumgarner taking on Hunjin Ryu, top of the first. Yasiel Puig gets the best of Mad Bum a solo shot his seventh of the year and you can write that down in your little journal June 24th Yasiel Puig first home run off Mad Bum
0: beginning
2: of a era <laughs> it still is go, on.
1: go ahead it's that's
2: still gonna go on now with Mad Bum in the west never leaving it's it's we'll see. I mean, very true. He certainly hits the Dodgers because of Puig.
1: Yes. Bottom of the eighth in a 1 1 game. Puig strikes again. Go ahead, RBI single off George Contos. Dodgers are able to win this game 3 to 1. June 25th, Matt Kemp is back after a somewhat lengthy stint on the disabled list. It's Stephen Fife versus kick him what i'm blanking on the first name god i
2: don't blame you i don't even think i remember this guy (laughs) and i'm I'm a nerd dude i know way too much unnecessary crap about this game but i do not remember a kick him in the fb ever
1: well whoever he is he started for the giants in a in a 2-2 tie we're going to the bottom of the six now hanley ramirez Hits an absolute screamer into left field for a home run. Dodgers pull ahead 4-2. Brandon League nearly blows this game. Of course. In a late inning situation. Kenley Jansen was unavailable due to pitching the last few games. So they have to take League out. Paco Rodriguez forces a double play. And... Thankfully, the Dodgers are able to hold on. The Dodgers now have a season-high four-game winning streak, which is pretty sad given how good this team was. Yeah, it really was. So it's June 26, battle of the past and present. Clayton Kershaw versus Tim Lincecum. Buster Posey able to get the Giants on the board with a two-run home run because that's what Buster does. He used to yeah. absolutely just annihilate the Dodgers. Bottom of the 6th, Andre Ethier, AJ Ellis come through. They're able to get the Dodgers ahead 4 to 2. Clayton Kershaw pitches 8 innings. Kenley Jansen gets the save. Dodgers sweep the Giants. They're now 35 and 42, and only 6 back of Arizona. June 27th. Dodgers taking on the Phillies at Dodger Stadium. Bottom of the first. Ethier with a three-run shot. Dodgers strike early. Three-nothing. However, the Phillies are able to add four off Zach Granke, including a Jimmy Rollins RBI and a Chase Utley go-ahead home run. (laughs) Why did every – why does –
2: dude, every, like, every, like, washed-up Philly had to come to the Dodgers. I mean, except for Ryan Howard, like, yeah. Every washed-up Philly came to the Dodgers.
1: It's very true. And back then, this wasn't the only home run Chase Ellie had against the Dodgers. I've seen it in person. He used yeah. to, for whatever reason, really crush them.
2: He did. He was. He was the man. Like people forget, he like he's one of the best offensive second basemen ever. Like he just is. You can't argue it.
1: Definitely. So, despite earlier in the game, Yasiel Puig crashed into that hard screen in the outfield. Definitely was knocked the wind out of him. He's able to stay in the game. It's now Justin DeFreitas, bottom seventh in relief for the Phillies. He throws two straight sliders to to Yasiel Puig. Puig isn't able to make contact on either of them. He then attempts to throw a third slider to Puig. This time Puig gets a hold of it, a two run single, able to put the Dodgers, able to add some more runs for the Dodgers. Matt, bottom of the eighth inning, Matt Kemp steals second, and then Matt Kemp steals third base. That leads to a sacrifice fly. Dodgers add a run. They win this game six to four. They now have a six game winning streak. Grinke gets his fifth win. Kenley Jansen, his seventh save. June 28th, not a good game for the Dodgers. Chris Capuano gets absolutely destroyed, maybe because he's been pitching too much recently. (laughs) Philly win, 16 to 1. Michael Young had a great game, as did Delman Young. June 29th, Hunjin Ryu taking on Cliff Lee. Now, Cliff Lee used to be one of those starters who I thought was absolutely elite. Would have loved to have seen him in a Dodgers uniform during his prime.
2: He always felt like a should, like he should have just always been a Dodger. There was like about three trade deadlines I can remember where the Dodgers like should have picked him up or like blew it you know when he was with City. yeah, and a couple times with Philly. Yeah, they he should have been a Dodger. Yeah, definitely. He he was a gamer. He was dude. That Phillies team was insane. That That rotation they had for like about two minutes was pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, on a side note, the 2011 Phillies, who had, like, at one point, people were calling them the greatest rotation ever. Yeah. Definitely some parallels to the 2019 Dodgers, where both teams get bounced in round one to a team that just had better clutch players. Yeah. So, all right. Chase Utley gets a first-inning home run. There he is again. However, from the bottom of the first... Hanley Ramirez with a three-run shot to center field. Dodgers are ahead 3-1. Top of third, Utley gets another home run. Jeez. It's 3-2. Top of the ninth. Kenley Jansen blows the save. So we have to take you to the bottom of the ninth in a tied game. AJ Ellis, walk-off single, scoring Hanley Ramirez. Dodgers have now won seven in their last eight games. Win this game 4-3. And then the next two games, or sorry, and then the next game, just go over it quickly. Dodgers win 6 1. So they win this series against the Phillies, three games to one. They're now 38 and 43. And this was kind of one of those AJ Ellis rare, iconic moments. I definitely remember that walk off hit, really got the stadium electrified. So we're going to Coors Field now, I believe. It's Clayton Kershaw taking on Roy Oswald. Now here's a name that most people are gonna associate with the Houston Astros, but Roy Oswald actually had a brief stint with the Rockies before his career just totally ended.
2: Yeah, Phil. he was a disaster on the Phillies. He really yes. was very good with them. Like he was supposed to be the man and he was terrible with the Phillies.
1: Yes. So, Adrian Gonzalez, is able to blast a two-run home run. Dodgers are now up 4 nothing, And that's his 11th of the season. Yas- Yasi Puig facing Adam Ottavino does this absolutely insane bat flip for his eighth home run of the year. So Clayton Kershaw is able to throw a complete game shutout. Only allows four hits at Coors Field. He had eight strikeouts. He's now seven and five on the season. Dodgers have won nine of their last ten. Win this game eight nothing. And if you were a fan of Matt Greer, this is where his journey with the Dodgers comes to an end. They actually traded him to the Cubs in exchange for Carlos Marmol. Now at this point, Marmol was pretty washed up. He was having a really bad time with the Cubs, despite. A few years of pure brilliance as a closer with the Cubs. But the Dodgers bring him on, hoping maybe he can rejuvenate his career. So there it is. Marmol is now a- July 3rd. Carlos Gonzalez hits his 23rd home run of the year off Zach Ranky. Carlos Gonzalez is going to go down as one of those forgotten players just because... His last few years, he wasn't so great, but in his prime, this guy was an absolute beast. He was hitting home runs all day long. Thankfully, Juan Uribe is able to hit his fourth home run of the season to tie it up, tie it 4-4. Dodgers are able to hold on and win this game 10-8. to It was an absolute slugfest. Matt Kemp hit his third home run of the year. I mean, we're in July, and Matt Kemp only has three home runs. Hanley Ramirez hits his seventh home run of the year. He had a 14-game hitting streak going. And then Yasiel Puig is announced as both player and rookie of the month. July 4th, it's Ian's favorite holiday. Yep. (laughs) Matt Kemp gives the Dodgers a 2-1 lead with another home run, starting to catch fire. Matt Kadire unfortunately, drives in two off Chris Capuano. Rockies win this game 9-5. to Capuano falls to 2-6. and six. Although the Dodgers win the series two games to one, they're now 40 and 44.
2: It wasn't very patriotic of the Dodgers to lose.
1: <laughs> but they're now only four games below 500, so they're definitely right in a hot streak. July 5th, this game is an absolute Dodger slugfest. Matt Kemp has to leave, unfortunately, with a strained shoulder, so he's going to go back on the DL. But, Ian, I'm going to leave this one to you. Juan Uribe had seven RBIs. He was only a single short of the cycle. Just give me, based off your memory, like how much faith were you gaining in Juan Uribe at this point?
2: Well, considering the first two years of his contract, I had absolutely zero faith in him. He was – I mean, I I was impressed. I I thought we were at least – Getting you know the Rebe we kind of knew from San Francisco or Chicago White Sox back, but I was start, I was starting to think okay he's he's contributing to the team he he's kind of hitting a late late career bump, but man he this 2013 season had he not had this he'd be one of the most uh, hated Dodgers in recent memory for those first two years. Luckily he was able to erase it when it mattered. So
1: very true, very true.
2: Really, probably the most iconic moment of that season later on.
1: Yes. I'm right there with you. I was very low on Juan Uribe. I had to s- sit through those two dreaded years, yeah. especially with Uribe batting below 200.
2: Dude, I remember one game, he, like, hit a sack fly for, like, his 10th RBI of the season or something, and people – like, he's getting high fives in the dugout. Like, he just hit a walk-off grand slam. Like, it, <laughs> nobody got from the dude. He had, like, it was just terrible. It was It was bad.
1: <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah, I was definitely – Juan Uribe had caught my eye as well. I was like, wow, he's really turned it around. And he was showing veteran clubhouse leader presence. As I mentioned earlier, him and Puig were starting to really develop some type of special father-son bond. Yeah. So, this was the Juan Uribe game. And it's actually against the Giants. I failed to mention that. So, Dodgers win 10-2. They also get Carl Crawford back from the DL after he had missed over a month the next game Giants win 4-2 and then the next game the Dodgers win that game 4-1 so the Dodgers do beat the Giants two games to one in that series they're now 42 and 45 July 8th Dodgers taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks this is the first time Zach Greinke is facing Arizona since that brawl that we mentioned a month earlier so Greinke The dude just knows how to get revenge. He allows only three hits over seven innings of shutout ball. Dodgers win six to one. Hanley Ramirez now has a 19 game hitting streak going. I just got to say from my personal experience of watching Granke, you could argue he is just as clutch, if not even more clutch than Clayton Kershaw.
2: Oh, he's more clutch than Clayton Kershaw.
1: He, I mean, Zach
2: Granke... I think he's borderline a hall of fame pitcher. I mean, he, he's really, I mean, he's, he's on the, he's on the border. I think you got to consider him for the hall of fame and I think a lot of Dodger fans forget that because they were upset. He left, but I mean, outside of Walker Bueller, this is the only time the Dodgers really had another ace in that rotation. I mean, Granke, Granke was the man he, there were some times, I remember there were seasons. I thought he was better than Kershaw. Like I, I would rather have had him, with the ball in his hand, on the mound in Kershaw times. He he was really good.
1: I agree with you 100%. So I also wanted to make sure I mentioned this, I'm glad I didn't forget. The All-Star voting was starting to come out, and they are about to announce both the National League and American League teams. And Yasiel Puig did not make the initial roster, so he's able to participate in the – the last player in fan vote. This might have been the first year they started this. And it basically was down to Yasiel Puig and Freddie Freeman. And for whatever reason, almost the entire nation rallied behind Freddie Freeman because they did not like Yasiel Puig's attitude. And I always kind of found that pretty odd. I mean,
2: let's just not forget the fact that Yasiel Puig with – about a month under his belt was even in the conversation for all-star is just insane. That just goes to show, I mean, the guy didn't even have like enough sample size and that's how good he was that people still were considering having him be in the all-star game.
1: Yeah. And here's a little pop quiz for you, Ian. Sorry to put you on the spot. How many all-stars did the Dodgers have in 2013?
2: 2013. Okay. Give me a second. I want to say they had one.
1: Well, you're 100% correct. Believe Clayton it or not. Kershaw, right? Yeah, exactly. So believe yes, it or I not, remember. the Dodgers only had one all-star despite one of the highest payrolls in all of Major League Baseball. Ian said it. I'll let you take the floor. It is
2: Clayton Kershaw. Yep. I mean, <laughs> the lone star of that team, the dude carrying that team for a lot of years. So it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yes. Pretty crazy. All those great players and only one all-star just really, really shows you how slow of a start the Dodgers got off to. So the Dodgers actually are going to need a starting pitcher. I mean, it's pretty much a given considering they're allowing these scrubs like Steven Fife and Matt McGill, no offense, being a part of the rotation. So they make a trade with the Florida Marlins. They trade Josh wall, Who's made a few appearances in this podcast, doing nothing but just awful things, giving up walk-off grand slams, etc. And two minor league pitchers, neither of these guys, I don't think, ever cracked the majors. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Steve Amis and Angel Sanchez.
2: No, no, yeah, just career minor leaguers.
1: So they're they're going to acquire Ricky Nolasco, and I mean the best way to. Just, to describe Nolasco is he's a middle of a rotation guy. His velocity is average stuff. He's not going to kill you, but he's definitely going to give the Dodgers that added value they needed in the rotation. Who so, Liked it? Yeah. So it's July 9th, Nolasco is actually going to make his first start for the Dodgers and he has a good one. He throws seven shutout innings. Adrian Gonzalez Drives in three runs. Dodgers win this game. And they're actually facing the Arizona Diamondbacks, so they win the game. And now, on July 9th, they're only two games back of Arizona. July 10th, Tyler Skaggs, RIP. Take it on, Hunjin Ryu. Top of the ninth with two outs. AJ Ellis drives in. Jerry Hairston to tie the game, top of the 14th. Hitting streak has already ended for Hanley Ramirez at 19. He's able to go deep though. And then AJ Ellis hits a home run, back-to-back home runs. Dodgers win this game, seven to five. They sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are now 45 and 45, first time at 500 since April 30th. Ian, we are back at 500.
2: We already got past the hardest part. Getting past Arizona now in the playoffs is easy.
1: Yes. And also, I wanted to worth noting for the listeners, Hanley Ramirez is batting 409 for the Dodgers in 2013. Yes, he's missed some time due to injuries, but that just goes to show you how hot he was despite limited action. So we got just a couple games left and then we head to the All-Star break. So we're gonna finish this one strong. July 11th, it's Drew Pomeranz. Not for the Padres, not for the Athletics, but for the Rockies. Taking on Chris Capuano. This game is all Dodgers. They win this one 6-1 on July 12th. Zach Greinke throws a two-hit shutout. And that's gonna end up basically concluding this first half. After a couple more games with those Rockies, they're gonna split it 2-2. Dodgers head into the All-Star break. They're now 47 and 47. So that concludes all we got for this revisit so now ian i'll let you just throw in some final analysis yeah
2: family ramirez was playing this season he might get the mvp award i mean with those numbers in that short amount of time he would have done good in an 80 game uh <laughs> i mean he probably would have been the mvp in 2020.
1: can't dispute that well i mean we ian said a lot of good stuff earlier so No need for me to really repeat it, but I will basically summarize how he was saying. Even though they were 12 games below 500 at one point, this team was just way too talented to be where they were. And after the Yasiel Puig call-up, just seemed to be one of the big spark plugs that this team lacked. And so the Dodgers really rally. I mean, they go from 12 below 500 to now they're at 500 heading into the All-Star break. It's basically a new season moving forward so on the next episode that's where we're going to start to touch up on second half of july probably all the way through the end of august and then the last episode will be september and the postseason so ian i'll let you have the last word if there's anything you want to add
2: if there's any mlb gms listening uh give you a seal contract
1: thank you <laughs> all right Thank you all for listening to this latest revisit of the incline. We'll make sure to have a regular episode with David and Ian and meet myself later in the week, talking all the latest MLB news. In the meantime, read what we got on Dodgers lowdown and feel free to interact with us on Twitter. You all have a good rest of your day or week. Whatever, whatever time you're listening to this, we're out.